Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Comical Heathen. This is my podcast and I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. I'm a comedian, I'm a writer, I'm working on a book about religious satire. And so I've made it my mission to interview comedians and other interesting people. So thanks for stopping in. On today's episode, I'm going to share with you uh, my interview with Chad Zumach, a touring headlining comedian from Cleveland. This episode is also going to have my response to an article about some controversial events that occurred in New Zealand earlier this year. We're going to find out what do religion, satire, and boobs all have in common. So that's probably a pretty good tease, eh? You're going to stay to the end for that, right? And also, I'm going to give you an update from the Rabbit Hutch. Uh, Last episode, I mentioned that one of our lovely rabbits passed away earlier in the summer. That was uh, poor little Kevin Bacon. Uh, I received some emails and messages from fans and listeners and people just uh, expressing their support and so on. A few people were asking questions about how our other rabbit, Newton, was doing. How was Newton dealing with his change to his life? So I'm going to give you an update from the rabbit hutch as well. But before my rant and before my update from the rabbit hutch, let me um, tell you about today's interview. So earlier this summer, I had a chance on the road to open for Chad Zumach. We were in Willoughby, Ohio at the Willoughby Brewing Company, one of the great microbreweries in the area. And they put on comedy shows in there sometimes. Fun show. The owner there's a really fun guy. I opened. Our good friend Brian Kenny featured. Chad was the closer. And I just asked Chad if he'd sit down with me for a few minutes. Uh, if you don't know Chad, he's originally from Cleveland, now based in Los Angeles. He has a background in sketch comedy as well as working on the radio and broadcasting. He has his own podcast, which is a more traditional comedy interview podcast called Sit Down Zumach. So you might want to check that out. So we did the show together, and we're like, hey, uh, let's get together. Uh, he um, had some interesting things to say. He talked about his upbringing and his parents and how that affects uh, the comedy he does now. He talks about some of the ups and downs he's had. He talks about edgy comedians or comedians who do satire, uh, including uh, Doug Stanhope and Amy Schumer, some other people he's met along his own comedy journeys. So we're going to find out what he has to say about all of that. Uh, before we get to it, I want to tell you one other thing. I have a newfound respect for those weather people on the news who go out into the storm. They stand there, there's a hurricane, they're hanging onto a pole, their hat blows off, rain, the wind, the lightning, they're easy target to make fun of. But on the other hand, you know, they're out there doing it. And what happened to me was this. Chad and I were at the Willoughby Brewing Company. They're always busy on the weekends. And so we were in a really noisy bar. And the only thing we could think of to cut back on the noise so I could talk to him for a few minutes was to step out real quick into the parking lot. So that's what we did. And we had a very nice conversation. Again, I'll say thank you to Chad Zumach 10 times. What I found out when I got back home and listened back to the recording of the interview was there was a lot of wind in the background. I wasn't really paying attention to the wind because you're talking and wind's like a natural phenomenon. But it turned out it blew in and out of the interview and uh, wind is a background noise you cannot just edit out it goes like right into the sound if anybody out there does interviews or does podcasts one of the most important things you can do is try to take control of your sound environment that's why we went outside to get away from the noise so now i learned so i just want to say to get this interview to work for the podcast i had to trim out some of the noisier bits of wind So there are going to be a few times when you can hear the wind in the background, and 
thank you for putting up with my mistake. And on the other hand, uh, there's a couple bits I just had to cut out because the wind was too much. So if it's a little jumpy or not like a smoothly edited, that's completely my fault for dealing with the wind. So chalk that one up to lesson learned. Lesson learned. All right, so thank you for indulging me. I uh, still think Chad said a lot of worthwhile and interesting and personal things. And I hope you find it interesting. And I want to honor Chad by representing all the things he shared the best that I can, despite that technical difficulty. So without further ado, my interview with Chad Zumach. Taking a deep breath. Welcome to the Comical Heathen. I'm sitting here outside of the Willoughby Brewing Company with Chad Zumach. Chad is a touring headliner and host of his podcast, Set Down Zumach. Hey, Chad, how you doing? Jerry Jaffe, a pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming along. Um, I didn't know my dad till I was 21, and he's Italian, so he's okay. very hardcore Catholic. And uh, But I didn't have that in my life, and my mom was kind of like, I don't care. Um, okay. So I just kind of grew up without that guidance. So religion was never a huge thing in my life okay. ever. And I w I'd go to church here and there, but it was just right. like I kind of learned as I went. And mm -hmm. I was actually kind of fortunate because I didn't have to go through those, you know, right. ups and downs and crazy experiences. A lot <laughs> of people were growing, sure. growing, growing up in Catholic households. And so I was able and if I if I do have kids, I'm gonna let them pick what they want to do. Don't okay. put them into a situation. Sure. So as a comedian, it's just not a subject that you think about because you weren't raised to think about it. I only think about it when I watch like The Keepers on Netflix, <laughs> 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 or just some situation like right. that. That's when I'm like, okay, this mm. is not good. And my personal belief, my belief, and mm. it's just from the dump, like it's, it's a dummy's belief. Right. Kent State graduate. Kent State. Three, uh, I think it was 2.6 general studies, okay. seven years. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of shit out there people believe in. There's people in other countries. Right. There's stuff that we don't even know what they right. believe. It's a rock. They think yes. Who knows what the right situation is? I believe religion can be good. I believe it means good things, right. but I don't know what's the pathway you want to take. I, I never subscribe it's, to anything. It might be like 10,000 different religions in the world right yeah, now. Yeah, that's a lot. Yes. <laughs> what, and if it's the Powerball, who's the best? Yes. Who's going to win? <laughs> Waiting for that ping pong ball to come up the chute. <laughs> exactly. They might be the winner of the, uh, yes. you know, the, the pearly gates. Yes. Some cult on some island in the Pacific Ocean. Right. Yep. Who, wait, Jerry, before we get that one cult, where was the cult where they all poisoned themselves and they went to sleep? That was the Jim Jones. The Jim Jones. South America. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was the Kool-Aid. That was the Kool-Aid. What was the ones where they fucked themselves up? Are we allowed to well, swear? Yes, you can okay. swear. <laughs> uh, they took some poison. They went to sleep. It was like they were they're going on like a spacecraft. Oh, well, that also, well, Jim Jones had a story similar to that, but the, you're thinking of uh, Koresh and the New Davidians. No, that was the Branch Davidians. Branch Davidians and Waco. Waco. There was another one. I just don't know. E either way. Well, what it's, if one it's, of those it's the, happened more than once. Yeah. <laughs> what if one of those were the right religion? Yes. The right cult. Right, exactly. Maybe... Maybe Derek yep. Crush was onto something. Yep, they're in heaven right now. Yeah. The rest of us. Heaven's are. Gate. That's what it was. Okay, is it? I've never even heard of that except for the movie. But Google, yeah, Google Heaven's Gate. Okay. And Colt. I'll put a link to that in the description of this yeah, podcast so people know what the hell you're talking they about. Might have been on something. Do you know any comedians working now, either just uh, friends or on TV, who do religious satire really well? Um, he doesn't do religious satire, but uh, he's 
he's almost a cult leader himself is Doug Stanhope. Okay. That guy sure. has people following him around the country because of his words and the right. placements and how he yep. views the world and he almost has like a preacher quality to him where he's not even right. a stand-up comedian in my mind. I feel like he's a cult leader, thought provoker, he's a mm. trailblazer. He's, right. Uh, I've, I've, I've got to open for him and oh, I, okay. I never felt more insecure knowing he was watching my act from the back of the room <laughs> because he is so smart and right. so good with words and thoughts that I'm like, I can't, right. I'm not in the same room with this guy and Right. You want to impress your heroes, and unfortunately, I don't think I did. <laughs> How about uh, some of the old classics like uh, Carlin and Richard Pryor would do religious satire? Any of that uh, mean anything to you when you were younger? Those, those weren't influences of mine. Like, I got, I kind of came right. with comedy from a sketch background. I love the sure. kids all of sure. Saturday Live. And stand-up appealed to me mm-hmm. because it was I didn't have to rely on right. two guys putting their wigs on and showing up on time. and. And I was like, I can do this myself. Seems to me like there's been more religious satire since September 11th. Um, I know I'm just throwing that at you. but I haven't been keeping an eye on it. Okay. <laughs> so I think a lot of things happened differently since September 11th. Right. So I, I, I can't, so I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe okay, right. things change and I, right. the world changes and evolved. Our lives change right. and people's perceptions change. And I'm sure religions change, and I'm sure, sure, you know, we're in a weird part of this world right now where right. social media and everything's at your disposal. So. Out on the road, have you ever seen any, uh, sometimes Road Warrior comics will talk about weird crowd interactions, like where they, where someone in the audience brings up religion or someone brings up Jesus, or you're in a religious area and you're um, guarded about what you say. Any kind of experiences like that? Well, I do have one story that okay. I'll share. It's, uh, this recently happened. Audition for NACA. Okay. Which NACA basically is, you can get on college tours. And sure. Right now, I didn't realize I'm overly Okay. And I have one joke about Jehovah's Witnesses. Yep. I did it tonight. Yep. And that that joke I mean, alone, that one joke. Right. I, by the way, I paid 2500 to get into this thing. Right. And you're supposed to get your money back on top of money. Right. And not only did I not get my money back. Right. Like, there were colleges my college agent going we're never going to book this guy ever right just because i said that and it was not even that bad no yeah i I remember the joke by by religious satire standards it's very tame it's tame as shit but the colleges wouldn't even they don't want nothing to do with me after that i'm like and i i looked at my college agent i go listen i'm not doing this stuff anymore i just wasted 2500 bucks right i'm a funny comic you saw me open for steve-o like you you've gotten me gigs without this NACA shit so right find me gigs without NACA I'm not doing it and I haven't talked to him since nothing's a hundred percent but my experience because I do teach at a college and sure. I visit other campuses is the majority of students are not as easily offended as they're portrayed I think those people yeah. are like I'm deans listening. or vice presidents and so they're acting as gatekeepers like can we bring this guy to our college I would be surprised if most students would even notice your Jehovah's Witness joke. Well, you know what I mean? Because it's not, it's a funny joke, but I'm in terms of offensive scale. It's not it's an not offensive that great joke. It's not a joke. It's just like, oh, it's whatever. It's just. It's almost a tag to what you were saying yeah, in that I'm routine. Trying to, I'm trying yeah. to move forward. It, yeah, you're right. It's a tag. And uh, <laughs> the fact that they took so, right. such great offense is so, so right. tame and lame. And I'm right. like, I guarantee you, if I was a pregnant lesbian right. for some reason, <laughs> uh, right. Dream, Chad, dream. I would have gotten 12 colleges off of that. Right. Just because I think diversity, I think, I just think masculinity, I think 
alpha male. I think being everything's under attack right, right now, and it's 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 a weird point of view to be or, or not a weird point of view. It's a weird time for like a just a normal white guy to be doing comedy right. because of this extreme exposure with right. you know Black Lives Again. Matter or diversity or right. feminism. It's just like all right, enough's enough already. I'm an old school dude. I'm right. a guy. Right. And I like everybody, and I don't have any prejudice. I'm a cool yeah, dude, yeah. but how do you portray that and convey that? Right. No, I think uh, your stage persona comes across as as, lar- as likable and like a bro. Like, we're yeah. dudes hanging out. Let's joke around for a while. And I can't change it. It's right. just, you either like me or don't. It's right. It's just like, I'm not trying to be a, somebody different. Like, yeah, black lives do matter, but I'm not going to bring it up in my act. Right. You're not a political or alt comic. You're... I want to talk about yeah. being drunk and trying to drive. Yeah, <laughs> something which affects people's lives actually. And, and stuff that happened to me <laughs> yeah. personally, and I'm not trying to change your right. opinion. I'm like Carlin was just such an observationalist, and like he, right. could, he was a wordsmith where he can just really. Yes. I, I, I'm just not that guy. Like right. I, I'm jealous. Of seven dirty <laughs> words. I could never do that. It's yeah. Fucking, that's another level well, of comedy. Yes. I'll never. I'll die before that happens. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I will say. I, in the dozen or so, 20, maybe more comedy shows I've produced at college campuses, I've never once had a student complain about content. I, I know. The I, thing is, is the gatekeepers but the gate, in. Yes. Once you yes. get in, you can do whatever you want. I've, yeah. I, I've done like I've done like 10 colleges. Okay. And it's always been through backdoor situations. Yeah. And I've always been fine. The bookers like me. It was yep. never a problem. Yep. But getting in has always been the fuck. Like yep. Those NACAs, the ACBAs, right. the ACB, whatever they are. And I have a yeah. college agent who puts me out on that shit. And I, right. The first one I did, I did okay. And I ended up getting like four colleges. And right. I don't know. It's, it's sensitive yeah. times right now. When you were in Cleveland, you were around the, the younger comics and open mic scenes and doing local shows. I always appreciated you being uh, like available sure. and doing shows. If there's, a, if, there's a, if there's a young comic here asking you for advice about satire or... or being edgy, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, I think I'm a different person than I was four years ago. Okay. And I think, I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of came up in this weird situation in mm-hmm. Cleveland, and it, 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 it's it been weird. It's been, I don't know. Sure. I, I brought a lot of weird attention onto myself, and I, I feel like sure. I was judged harshly. And I feel okay. like uh, at, this, at the same time, like I kind of hold resentment because of that. Because okay. I feel like I've helped a lot of people, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I also brought a lot of things on my Sure. Myself, but I'm always willing to help someone sure. because this is stand up is so hard. It right. is so difficult. And it's like at this point, like the the, 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 the wages like it what it what it was in the eighties. Right. Like it's not changing. And <laughs> right. if you're, yes. you're fighting to do that, you must really love it. Right. Because it's insanity, like yes. what I do. It's it's complete insanity. Yes, it it might be the only vocation in the country that the wages have been flat for forty years. I it's like literally the same as they were paying in the eighties. Clubs are paying. And then when I get a theater gig like with Chris D'Elia and he gives mm. me these paychecks, I'm like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> so that gives you hope. And like, right. oh my God, if I continue to push it and continue to write mm. and be smart one day in the right situation, right time, because right. it is timing and who you yeah. know, you might be able to pull those paychecks in and I, I'm not chasing money because I, right. I do love doing it because but at the same time it's just you, you really got to want to do this because oh yeah yeah you got to love doing it before anybody will pay you for doing it yeah let alone paying you well <laughs> and while you're doing it you'll figure out how to do it right like I've 
I think the reason why I'm a full-time comic is I figure out how to do it. And there's a lot of ways to do it. And By it, do you mean how to be a full-time comic? Yes. Okay. It's yeah. just being... Because you're your own travel agent, you're your own manager. you got to be clever. Yes. you got to know people. And I couldn't be doing a full-time comedian job if I didn't know a guy at Southwest. Or if I didn't know right. a guy at Megabus. Or if I right. didn't know a guy at Enterprise. Or anything. Right. It, it helps so much. With sure. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, would would you uh, have any advice for a young comic just about being political or edgy? Is that a if you're gonna do it, right? Go hard. But if you get okay, and I hate to say this, but I'm gonna have to say it because I like her, and I haven't talked to her in a long time. Is Amy Schumer? Sure. And Amy, I've known before her her blow up. Right. Um, she got by by being the likable lady and the girl right. guys want to hang with. Right. Talk about her pussy. Blah blah right. blah. And then she got famous, and she started becoming hardcore, uh, liberal, and gun stands. Right. And she started becoming, you know, if you voted for Trump, leave my show. It's just, right. You're alienating the people that loved you and that got you there. And I get people evolve and change. And right. And I get she wanted to use her power to become a force. Sure. But at the end of the day, like, you're, you're hurting your ticket sales, and you're hurting what makes right. you become famous. And right. When you get famous... <laughs> That's the worst time you can do it. <laughs> you know? So. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Chad. Before I let you go, this is just a, a question I like to end on, which is anything else about religious satire that you'd like to say that didn't come up in our conversation? You know, I, I respect the comedians that can pull it off. Right. It's interesting. And uh, personally, I, I just don't have the knowledge to do it. Right. That's all it is. It's right. just, I'm not smart enough to do it. <laughs> uh, and, and also, it's never been an interest of mine. Right. So when people talk about religion, I'm just not really like I'm interested, like interested in the sense like, wow, you're that passionate right. about this. Um, As in getting to know a person. Yeah, yeah. but I've, I've I've been very grateful mm-hmm. coming from like a dumb mom, <laughs> where she, even though she was dumb, like right. my first best friend was black. Right. His name was Leroy, and we were best friends. So I never knew racism. I never knew right. like I was very blessed to not know anything. So right. As I got older, I could see people for different, like even yeah, Jehovah Witness. My sure. best friend was Jewish. Or my other okay. Jesse, like okay. nothing affected me. All right. Well, thank you very much, Chad. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you, and uh, be sure to check out my website, DaneCook.com. <laughs> we will. I'll make sure to include a link in the description of this podcast. <laughs> thank you, Chad Zumach. A really fun conversation. I I know he's friends with Amy Schumer, and I really enjoyed what he had to say about her and for sharing some of the personal stories of his life. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. At the end of the last episode, I had uh, updated you about a sad occurrence in the Jaffe household, which was the uh, untimely passing of one of our pet rabbits, the beautiful Kevin Bacon, as my wife would call her, kevin the Bun-Bun. And yes, her name was Kevin, but she was a girl. We have non-gender specific pet naming policies in our house. Anyway, I, I didn't want to give you an update. Uh, some people have emailed me or Facebooked me about the uh, other rabbit. Our other rabbit is called Newton. He's also a Holland Lop. He's what's called a chocolate colored Lop because he's sort of very brown with black fuzzy edges and a kind of cute brown nose. And when rabbits are bonded, as they were, very best friends living together, sometimes when one passes, the other one has a grieving process. I don't want to go into a long dissertation on that, but it is it's kind of an interesting point. Uh, one of the things about having rabbits as pets, by the way, is that they are not cats or dogs. They have their own psychology and personality. 
partially because I think they're prey animals. Cats and dogs part of hunting packs, and so they have a high degree of playfulness. But rabbits are, you know, like squirrels. They're out in the wild, and everything out there wants to eat them. So they're a little shy, a little skittish, and until they think of you as a member of their family, they might be a little withdrawn from their uh, human family members. Now, when you have rabbits as pets, and one of them passes, the surviving rabbit has to have a grieving period. So part of it is that rabbits are, you know, simple animals who don't understand death. So it's actually recommended that you leave the deceased rabbit with the surviving rabbit so the surviving rabbit can get used to the idea that their friend is no longer with them. Whereas if you just, shall we say, randomly remove the remains from the cage or from the habitat, the surviving rabbit doesn't really know what happened. Um, so it gives them a better grasp of their uh, partner's fate. And then the rabbits have all their own grieving period. They have to get used to being alone. I can tell you that we plan to get another rabbit or two in the next few months. But we actually want to let Newton kind of live on his own for a couple of months. So that he gets used to Kevin not being there. And he gets used to being himself. And then later in the year we'll introduce a new friend for him. All in all, Newton is doing well. He's very cheerful. Uh, I think he is turning to his human friends for more affection. Just last night he ran all the way across the room, leapt up onto the couch, and landed straight on my chest where I was laying there lazily watching the Big Bang Theory. So that's what's going on in the rabbit hutch. And I also want to thank anybody who uh, sent any kind messages about Kevin or Newton since the last episode. So that's a little bit about how Newton's doing. One of the interesting side effects of keeping rabbits as a pet is that we line their cages with newspapers and then that has caused me to start reading newspaper headlines again. That's very 20th century of me, right? My eye will catch interesting looking headlines. And this time my eyes caught a really interesting looking headline. This headline said, Playboy model angers Maori community with nude shoot on sacred New Zealand volcano by Jonathan Perlman in the May 2017 Telegraph. Now this piqued my interest immediately because it combines three of my favorite topics, religion, New Zealand, and boobs. This article tells the story of a Playboy model, Jaylene Cook, who climbed Mount Taranaki in New Zealand. Uh, besides the religion angle and the bearing of the breast angle, I also have a personal love of New Zealand. I lived there for several years, so I have many New Zealand friends, both of European descent, of Maori descent, other international community members. So I was very interested in this uh, clash of cultures, if you will. So the Playboy model, Jaylene Cook, uh, I want to make it clear that Jaylene isn't the cook that is the highest mountain in New Zealand. No, she is not the Kiwi version of the Grand Tetons. But she did grow up there, which technically makes her a Kiwi, which is a fruit that looks like a bird. Or is it a bird that looks like a fruit? You can never keep that part straight. Oh, okay, okay, but I digress. Let me, let me start over. A lovely pair of boobs attached to a lovely woman named Jaylene, who, having just climbed a challenging mountain in New Zealand, Mount Taranaki, celebrated at the top by having said boobs photographed and then posting these photos to her Instagram account. As a result, some indigenous people were complaining that this act was disrespectful because Mount Taranaki is a sacred mountain in the uh, Maori tradition. 
So, I mean, regarding this, I began to wonder what their definition of sacred mountain was. Because all I know is, if Jaylene's posing nude, one way or another, there are some sacred mountains involved. It is weird, though, when you think about it. I don't know why so many religions try to teach that nudity is shameful. I mean, even in the Bible, God creates Adam and Eve buck naked. Now, that may have just been, you know, an example of gratuitous nudity to get more people to read it. But then God creates Eve, and then right away, like, I don't know, two paragraphs later, the only genitals on earth are covered with fig leaves. I mean, think about it. The only parts of the human body that actually fit together, hidden underneath a plant, which doesn't make any sense because, you know, God can see when people are naked under their clothes. God has the ultimate x-ray vision, not just some upskirt cameras. He can see everything, even what that kid did to that pie in that movie. Seriously, in the kitchen, people prepare food in there. Shame on you, Jason Biggs. Like, I don't know why people assume God would be upset by nudity. I mean, God created everything, so he's the one that invented nudity. So he can see naked bodies. But apparently, some religious people think he doesn't want you to marvel at his good works. It makes God sound like one of those dads that lectures his kids not to smoke pot right after he gets back from the dispensary. For you know his glaucoma. The indigenous people of New Zealand are called the Maori. They're Polynesian, and to them, Mount Taranaki is a sacred mountain. It's one of their ancestral mountains. Maori people believe that all parts of the natural world are inhabited by spirits or life force, and that this mountain has the spirit of one of their great warrior ancestors called Taranaki. Taranaki is a hero, a great warrior from mythology. I only you know, emphasize that because there's no way this guy, this warrior, is threatened by a pair of boobs. There's nothing in the mythology to suggest that Taranaki was allergic to love pillows. And I can pretty much guarantee you there's no hetero male alive or dead in human form or mountain form who doesn't want to see a naked playboy model. There's just no way Taranaki is going, whoa, lady, put those melons back in the grocery bag. I admit some Maori people might be offended, but Taranaki is good with it. If anything, he probably wants more nudity on his mountain, and the sooner the better. When it comes to breasts, men are like that dog from the movie Up. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may speak boobs. So I don't believe there's any way that Tadanaki has any problems with Jaylene Cook's Twin Peaks on his summit. As an aside, is it weird that I'm starting to find mountaineering terminology strangely arousing? Now, in this article, some of the offended Maori people tried to explain their position by making comparisons. One asked, would you want someone standing there naked in your church? Yes, yes I would. I would want someone standing there naked in my church. There are over 10,000 religions in the world today, and mine includes nudity. In fact, I won't even go to church on Friday night unless I know there will be nudity. Oh, by the way, my church meets on Friday nights and involves nudity. So come out and join me. I mean us. I don't know about your church, but Jaylene Cook can come to my church anytime she wants. She has a standing there naked invitation. She can pose nude. She can preach nude. No one will try to stop her. 
In fact, I can't guarantee it, but we might even make eye contact with her at some point. Another Maori leader compared it to posing naked on the grave of your grandparents, since Taranaki is considered a Maori ancestor. Again, that probably depends on the person and who the grandparents are. Like, if your grandfather was Hugh Hefner, that would be totally fine. You can take all the naked pictures you want on that grave. In fact, it'd be disrespectful not to, really. The only question that might raise is how are you posing naked on Hugh Hefner's grave when he's still alive? But if there are boobs in the picture, no one will think to ask. Gotta have priorities, people. Turns out there's now this thing of tourists and world travelers taking nude pictures of themselves and posting them, mostly on Instagram, which is a vast improvement to all the dick pics on Tumblr. And it's way better than all the baby pictures on Facebook. My brother's new baby looks like an inside-out Sharpay is what I'm saying. Please, Joey, stop tagging me. I can't take any more photos of the elephant baby. I found a similar story from Malaysia, actually. Uh, last year, a British woman and some of her friends were arrested for posing nude on a sacred mountain in Malaysia. Some of the locals there blamed their nudity for a subsequent earthquake that killed 18 people. How crazy is that, right? It's not only backwards thinking. There's zero evidence to support the very notion. I mean, look at me. I've been naked thousands of times, and no one involved has ever felt the earth move. I promise you. So Miss Cook was criticized for putting the photo on her Instagram account. Well, think about this. Whoever found it was looking through the Instagram feed of a Playboy model. What did they expect to find? A rebuttal of Keynesian economics? Not likely. Now, trying to defend herself, Cook said that nudity is not disrespectful. It's pure and beautiful and represents freedom, which I basically agree with. But you gotta admit, that's a pretty convenient answer for a nude model. What else would she say? Oh, I really wanted to keep my clothes on, but was absolutely sweltering at the top of that snow-covered mountain. Getting naked is her livelihood, which in turns gives rise to my livelihood. It's a circle of life sort of thing, something like that. And really, what does all of this say? When you demonstrate the initiative to climb all the way to the top of a mountain, pretty much as far as you can be, away from the rest of humanity. And even there, you're subjected to the prudish moors of sanctimonious gold in the valleys far below. You've climbed to the summit of a mountain and anonymous couch potatoes sit on their asses and click offended. The indigenous Polynesian people of New Zealand are called the Maori. And when European settlers arrived, uh, they were called Pakiha. And right now, New Zealand enjoys a largely successful bicultural culture, nation, government. I have many Pakiha and Maori friends, and when I lived there, Pakiha was the word used to describe me. The traditional Maori greeting is kia ora. We simply translate kia ora as be well or be healthy, but simply speaking, it can be used for both hello and goodbye. Kia ora. So with that in mind, let me just say... Thank you to Chad Zumach for being our interview subject for this episode. Thank you to all of you for listening. Make sure to go on iTunes and Stitcher and rate us and give us stars and share it with your friends and leave comments. All that good stuff you're supposed to do to support a podcast. Uh, I want to thank my friend Jeff Geddert for providing um, 
technical assistance as well as additional writing. And I'd also like to thank my good friend Mark Bell, who is playing the lovely Bach music you hear. Uh, he's playing it on a Skinner organ, a famous organ that is found on the campus of Lake Erie College in Painesville, Ohio. With that being said, let me just say one more time, thank you. Kia ora. Thank you.